Hi, I'm Emily Hazard. And I'm Becca Anderson. And this is Grey's Anatomy Uncut, a podcast where we discuss and analyze episodes of Grey's Anatomy. Today we're talking about Season 3, Episode 16, Drowning on Dry Land, which was a song sung by Tab Benat? Is that how you would say Benoit? Benoit. I don't know. It's French. Mm. Olé. Original (laughs) air date. (laughs) It's not French. I know. Original air date. February 15th, 2007, written by Shonda Rhimes, directed by Rob Korn. Korn. 25.76 million viewers, which is up from last week and not a surprise. Which makes sense since they ended last episode with their main character drowning. Debatable. Okay. But yes. Uh, I have some follow-up today. I was going over last week's screenshots and I noticed that on Alex's locker last episode, they had a sign that said, Syphilis, get the test. <laughs> Amazing. Olivia. Yeah. And on Izzy's locker, there was a big sign that said lifeguard, which made me wonder if that was just subtle foreshadowing about like everything that has to do with water hmm. in this episode. Mm-hmm. Also wanted to mention the obvious religious connotations of last week's episode title, Walk on Water. I mean, clearly a nod to Jesus walking on water, which automatically makes you think of God and faith and the afterlife and miracles, belief systems, all of which are covered in this episode. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to put that out there. Mm-hmm. All right. So I will do my opening statement first. I really struggled with <laughs> trying to figure out what I actually wanted to say about this episode because there's mm-hmm. so many things you could touch on. But I I just want to say I really appreciate that Grays is not afraid to talk about faith and belief systems, but they do it in a way that never endorses a single belief or religion as being correct or being right. They show that human beings have different belief systems and disagreements about those belief systems, but what we have in common is that we have them. Even... Even people like Alex or Christina, you know, Christina says that she doesn't, you know, she's not religious, she's not religious and she doesn't observe organized holidays or anything like that. But she does have a belief system as Mm -hmm. unconventional as it may be. And they're shown in this episode, not any of these characters are above the human condition. And that's my favorite part about this episode. Mm -hmm. First... I just wanted to say that I really enjoy the opening of this episode and how they filmed it. Second, I think one of the most effective things that they do in this episode is how they really leave Meredith's fate up in the air until the la- literally the last scene of this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole arc of episodes does a really great job of not immediately telling the audience what is happening or what's going to happen and lets the audience kind of live the episode along with the characters. You know, we mm-hmm. don't immediately get that scene of Meredith unconscious and then we go immediately into her kind of after limbo, l- limbo whatever other world. Mm-hmm. You know, we have this whole episode where we, the audience, are alongside Derek and Christina and like all of the other characters wondering what's going to happen to Meredith. And so I think that's really effective. Also, when I was thinking about this episode, I felt like I wanted to have some kind of a word or something 
to describe each of these episodes and where they are in the trilogy and kind of have something and I just was completely drawing a blank and could not for the life of me think of anything and while I was bored at work I stepped in to help (laughs) and I thought about it for a long time and it made me think of the three parts of the divine comedy by Dante so inferno purgatory and then paradise I don't know I feel Mm -hmm. like there's something there. Mm -hmm. There's so much symbolism associated with the number three. Well, and that's, and I just thought of this and with your opening statement on like faith and religion, I feel like the number three is a big religious thing in religion, Mm -hmm. but you know what I mean? Like in other Greek and Roman stuff, Mm -hmm. three is. Well, I made a list of stuff (laughs) that I thought of. So the Holy Trinity. Yeah. Mind, body, spirit. I saw somewhere on the internet heaven, earth, and water, which I thought was significant because of the water portion of it. Yeah. Because, in a way, it is the water that brings Meredith to the limbo. Past, present, future. Birth, life, death. Which is probably a big one. Mm -hmm. And then beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. (laughs) No. <laughs> Live, laugh, love? Oh. Live, laugh, love. <laughs> yeah, so maybe we'll get into it as the episode goes along. Maybe you'll have to wait until next week to see what happens mm-hmm. with our thought processes on that. One more thing before we jump into this episode. Can I just say that Patrick absolutely murdered this episode? <laughs> like, we normally talk about Katherine Heigl and how amazing she is, but... I was rewatching this earlier this week, and the entire time I just kept thinking how great his performance was. He nailed and it. We make fun of Derek a lot, but yep. in this episode, I will appreciate him. I mean, I always appreciate him, but you know. Yeah, Patrick took it to a whole nother level this episode. Oh my god, it this... was insane! Like, step aside, Katie, Katie Heigl. All right, take it away. Like I said, disappearances happen. Pains go phantom. Blood stops running. And people, people fade away. There's more I have to say. So much more. But I've disappeared. I love that opening speech. I love it. Especially when Ellen says, there's so much more I have to say. So much more. Mm -hmm. But I've disappeared. Oh my god. We open... On a shot of some very dark water in the Elliott Bay. And we see the faces of many of the characters overlaid on the water. I thought that was a cool touch. Yeah. I just love the shots of Mm. Meredith popping up from the water. And how it almost is like we are at water level. Bobbing up with With her, her. kind Mm -hmm. of. I'm very interested in how they filmed this. Like, I want to know. I wonder, and I probably could have looked it up, but yeah, yeah. Why, why do that? I wonder if they did it in a pool. Yeah, or something. that was that was what I was thinking. the The song is a bitter song by Butterfly Butcher. Oh, I mean, a perfect song. Yeah, and it's such an obscure song, <laughs> and they really found it. There's this strike of the piano chord as the song starts, and then Meredith pops up from underwater. I just can't overstate how beautiful this opening sequence is. Mm-hmm. And I really like how 
Ellen Pompeo, you can see the change in like mm-hmm. her facial expression kind of first when she almost stops fighting. Mm-hmm. She played that really well. And the the, the close-up on her face makes it an intimate moment. Mm-hmm. And the slow-mo is used perfectly. But yes, I agree. There is a moment where you can recognize something changed in her brain, you know? Mm-hmm. I think the close-up also makes it a little bit uncomfortable, too, but yeah. in a good way. Mm-hmm. It's a goddamn beautiful shot. Oh. She starts slowly sinking. I gotta say, this is a big way to open an episode. Oh, yeah. Hello, welcome back to Grey's Anatomy. Meredith is drowning. All right. <laughs> and it's not because she wants to live. It's because she chose to drown. That, yeah, that's, that's the scary the, thing. Yeah, that's the thing that makes it uneasy. Oh, and I, they hold on the water, the still water after she goes under for just long enough to make it uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, it's just long enough where you as the audience almost expect her to pop back up again, mm-hmm. you know? And then it doesn't. And then they just cut over to Christina. To Chris, to Christina and you're like, what? I was losing my effing mind when I watched that. Even though we know what happens. No, I mean, like, I the know. first time I watched it, Shonda had 100% of my attention. Oh, I was going to say, even this time, it was like that. And I I know what's going to happen. Did I blink? I don't know. So, as we said, we cut to Christina at the nurse's station. Mm-hmm. And the glorious return of Tyler. Woo-hoo! I love him. I also, I secretly love how all of the nurses are referring to their patient as Dr. Gray. Mm-hmm. None of them ever worked with Ellis. Yeah. But they all just, I feel like they walk in the room and they're probably like, oh, hi, Ellis. And she just looks at them with this dead face and just says, it's Dr. Gray. It's Dr. Gray, bitch. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just so weird. And, and the immediate thought when Christina asks Tyler, oh, if they've seen Dr. Gray. And his immediate thought is Ellis, is this, and not the person he works with. <laughs> is the subtext that Tyler was there when George lost Ellis <laughs> about four times in that one episode in season two? And so he he's just thinking, she's probably wandering around the hospital right now. Tyler's like, she's probably performing surgery somewhere. It's fine. But to be serious, though, I think that this little tiny detail was thrown in there because it shows that Meredith is still living in the shadow of her mother, which is a huge theme of this episode, mm-hmm. and that Meredith is disappearing. Yeah. We literally just saw her disappear under the water, mm-hmm. and Tyler has already forgotten about her. Mm-hmm. So we cut to George and Bailey and Carly Zoar, and this is where George lies and says that he's found Chris just to get her to have the surgery. <laughs> Which is one of those weird things that I feel like I understand mm-hmm. why George did it. And when he says later, you know, if she wakes up after surgery because of my lie, I'm okay with that. I get that. But then I also under- completely understand Bailey's side, mm-hmm. you know? But what is this metaphor? Is George, quote unquote, lying to himself about being lost? Or like lying to himself that his marriage to Callie was not a mistake? It, well, I think we're saying the same thing. Yeah. Like, he's telling himself he's not lost when he really is. Or even, I wonder, because George is lying to the mom, I wonder if it's supposed to be all of the people around George 
not telling him that his marriage was a mistake. You know what I mean? Because no one has outright said anything to him mm-hmm. until later in this episode when Izzy outright says it. And so I wonder if it's supposed to be like the metaphor of the people in his life are lying to him. What if, so if Carly represents Callie, which we see later in the episode she does, mm-hmm. the only person that George is lying to is Callie. Is Callie. A.K.A. Carly. There's something there. He's lying about... Everything being okay and fine, basically. Yeah, or that, like, bas- like that their marriage is okay and fine. Mm. So Chris, the kid, is not a metaphor so much for George, but is a metaphor for their marriage. Ooh, maybe, yeah. Ooh, I like that. Okay, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Brilliance is happening right here, people. Yes. So then we cut over where the chief... In this moment is really when I just, I was like, this chief kind of sucks. Because basically, Alex comes up to him and is like, hey, chief, is there some sort of emergency plan of how we're supposed to notify these families? And the chief looks to this intern, Mm -hmm. who's basically the bottom of this (laughs) hospital's food chain, and goes, eh, you figure it out, Karev. Exactly. And walks away, giving no cares. It's... Literally, I feel like in any other situation, giving your minimum wage, you know, like part-time high school student employee and being like, so I have this really important task mm-hmm. of you're going to tell these families that their people are dead or, you know, fighting for their lives. And I have no idea how you're going to do it, but you're going to figure it out. Okay, bye. I love I love how he says it too. You're the system, Karev. Figure it out. And, and Alex's face is just like, what the hell? <laughs> And Alex is all of us, because I thought the same thing. And the chief also, never again in this episode, asks Alex how it's going. He falls up. He's just like, yep, he's got it. He doesn't give a shit. And also, like, gives arguably one of the worst interns this position. The only one that probably could have been worse was Christina. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, like, I feel like Christina would have just been like, what's the name? Kelly Winter? She's dead. And, like, walked away. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? You know you didn't actually come up with that name. I know, it's in the episode. Oh, okay. I was I thought you just were thinking of a random name. No. And I, I yeah. <laughs> I do I just had to mention that. Oh, and the chief leaves, but he hasn't gotten that phone call from Izzy yet, so he's not in a rush to do anything. <laughs> exactly. He's just like, I have better things I don't to want do. To. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go sit at my desk. So now we're Cutting over to to Jane Doe. You know, her face still looks like what would happen if she went a couple dry cycles in a dryer filled with bricks. You're not wrong. If she climbed up the ugly ladder, she never missed a step. This was one of those things where I feel like I was looking at her and I was like, can a human face ever actually look like this? Well, and here's my question. I, w- I thought of this in the shower. Who is this actress? I mean, of course we could look it up, but why would we? <laughs> Who is this actress? Is this Esme Cullen that they put in weird face makeup? Or is this a completely different woman? That's a good question. I shall look it up. They probably put her in makeup and, like, prosthetics. hmm Because you know how sometimes, like, in like Hollywood and shows and stuff, they'll very much exaggerate things. Can the human face actually ever get like that? Oh my god. It's a face made for radio, if you know what I mean. <laughs> wow, it is her. 
It's Esme Cullen, otherwise known as Elizabeth Reiser? Reiser? Re- however the heck you say her name. Esme Cullen. <laughs> we're, we're really great at reading, guys. Wow, they really screwed up her face for this. I think it's like prosthetics, you know? Mm-hmm. It's gotta be. Either that or they were like, so here's some bricks. We're just gonna smash you in the face with them. <laughs> or it's a Can you lot imagine? of makeup. I feel like Shonda Rhimes would do something like that. Mm. She looks like she was bobbing for french fries. <laughs> so Addison projects herself onto Jane Doe here. And she essentially says that she feels like she is damaged, lost, and alone. Mm-hmm. Which, I'll clue you in on something. I think this is the only storyline involving Jane Doe that I like. Exactly. That's what I was kind of going to say. Because, again, completely honest, she really goes downhill from here. Which is very surprising considering what her face looks like right now, Mm -hmm. but she goes downhill. Mm -hmm. Addison says she's all alone. Makes you think. I mean, if I went missing, would anyone even know I was gone? Which is a depressing thought. Mm -hmm. We would, Addison question would Derek I feel like he would yeah I feel like he would which also brings this interesting tie between Addison and Meredith because I think Meredith is kind of thinking the same way we just never really hear her outright say that or anything Mm, that's interesting well because she's disappearing and Mm. it and I mean think about the words that the you know Ellen was saying over when she was going underwater was I have about, more to say, so much more. Yeah, that brings up a good point. What what does she have more to say? Is, is that her? Is that Meredith basically saying I have so much more to live, more to I experience, think, but so. I'm disappearing? Yeah. Ugh. You know what I mean? And so we're almost having our two kind of female people who are supposed to be pitted against each other, but well, like foils, very similarly. They're like a foil of each yeah, other. Yeah, that's a good word. Hmm. So now we're catching up with Izzy and her boy posse, and Vince kind of redeems himself in this moment. A little bit. Because Izzy is very unsure of herself. She's saying, I've only been watching for weeks. I'm sorry. And this is significant because he says, I believe slash you believe four times in this. Which is huge. In this speech here. Which is significant because of Izzy's downright majestic speech later her i believe speech great moment everyone needs friends like these guys because really like how many people do you think if you were pinned in cars like brain bleeding all of this stuff going wrong and his friends have not left his side except to find help like one left his side to go find help one like you know what i mean they're just what kind of okay they're doing everything that what i don't know i just I wouldn't leave my friend's side, but maybe I'm just a loyal friend. Well, I know. I'm just saying, I think, like, I don't, I mean, I don't think a lot of people would, but just, they're great friends. They are. Shout out to Vince. And literally, you know, almost pushing the doctor to do everything she can and being like, you have to help him. I don't know. I also love the moment when Izzy asks who has a cell phone. And these cell phones that they all raise, <laughs> you know, we're in the days of iPhones and all this crap now. And these flip phones that these men have. Well, in just the fact that that's even a line, you know, Izzy has to ask, do you have a cell phone? Who's got a cell phone? And nowadays it's like, who doesn't have a cell phone? Now it would just be, 
Somebody, can somebody let me use your cell phone? In fact, they'd probably, like, one of them would probably be already making this into a TikTok or something. Oh, my God. They'd be like, look, everyone, my friend is being crushed by this car. <laughs> and everyone would be, like, vomiting on the other side because he's bleeding all over the place. And then Izzy starts, like, a TikTok dance. <laughs> Why is the doctor dancing and not helping? Anyways. There are some weird corners of TikTok. I, I have found I'm them. I'm not surprised. So now we cut back to Derek. Derek at the scene, and as we mentioned last week, this is where he notices Meredith's name tag on the jacket that's laid on top of the patient mm-hmm. that just shoved her off the dock. Thanks and, a lot, dude. Yeah, and Derek, if he was concerned before, now, thanks to Patrick Dempsey's face, we see him start to panic. Mm-hmm. And it only gets worse when he sees this little girl alone. Mm-hmm. Doing nothing, by the way. <laughs> She's so frustrating. <laughs> she, is she real? To be determined. That would be so weird if she, like, wasn't real, but both Meredith and Derek saw her. Although the police officer says something to her. Although, could you say that she would be a symbol of a gut feeling? You know what I mean? Maybe Derek didn't see her, but she is the the manifestation of a bad gut feeling that Derek has. I mean, that is really abstract, but... Eh. But also, she leads him to where Meredith was, and I don't know if he could get to that exact point. But that's what I'm saying. On a gut feeling. You know what I mean? Because the pier's really big, and she led him exactly to the place where Meredith went over. Maybe it's a miracle. I don't know. I just really want her to not exist. I want there to be something else here, and there's not. <laughs> Yeah, or something. I don't know. It's a very confusing, ambiguous thing, which I kind of like, but I kind of don't like. It's so frustrating and yet so satisfying. Exactly. So Derek says, did the doctor bring you here? Huh? Did a doctor. Yeah. Meredith? Meredith okay? And Lisa, son of a bitch, just shakes her head no. God damn it. And then we cut over back to Meredith underwater sinking. Ugh. Which was great. This little girl, as I was kind of alluding to earlier, is one of the most frustrating characters ever. (laughs) Even now, every single time they cut to her, I found myself wanting to scream at her through the screen. And how long was Meredith underwater? That is my question. And we will probably bring this up multiple times throughout this episode. But this girl took her damn time coming back to the triage and like Meredith went in the water That little girl stared at her for a second, just turned around calmly, walked over to the triage tent, just kind of stands there at the Mm. triage tent, and then does not, like, Derek comes over, she just looks at him like he's an idiot or something. Same. (laughs) And doesn't, like, rush her at all. I'm surprised the fish hadn't started eating Meredith with how damn long this little girl took. She took her damn time. (laughs) She's like, "Uh, I guess I could save her today. Whatever. But in a way, isn't that so Meredith of her? It is so Meredith. She's supposed to be Meredith and everything's about her. Like, (laughs) Derek's like, where's Meredith? And Lisa's just standing there like, I'm fine too. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for asking. (laughs) (laughs) But... Here's my counterpoint to this. Her never saying a line of dialogue is infuriating, yet it's exactly it's exactly right. 
Because yeah. she's supposed to symbolize Meredith not communicating with Derek when something really bad is happening. Mm-hmm. And that is what Lisa's doing. Yeah. She's not communicating with Derek when something really bad is happening. And for the first time as an audience member, this little kid puts us in Derek's shoes instead of inside Meredith's head. And now mm-hmm. we understand the frustration that Derek must feel. <sighs> I guess I can't be as mad at her when you say it like that. But I'm just saying it's freaking genius. Whatever. So now this lady with this weird Boston accent. I can't believe you don't have some kind of system. Oh my gosh. These people. I get why they're angry. But then I also love how the camera just kind of cuts over and Sydney, who is also a doctor, is just standing there and has been standing there the whole time. Mm. And these people immediately recognized that she was useless and just didn't ask her any questions <laughs> you know what i mean because you're like oh alex is the first doctor in here and then it pans over and sydney <laughs> has been there the entire time and she outranks him exactly <laughs> and also she does nothing to help him she literally goes i just want you to know that i understand like if you need a hug and alex just looks at her and says like no could you help? No, that just... Could you be a helpful human being? It fits so well, though, because yeah. back in season two, when Alex was sucking up to Sydney, oh I, uh, <laughs> Alex... She looks uh, at him as if he's, like, her little protege. Yeah. D- Dr. Karev and I are fighting to save this patient, <laughs> and we're gonna win that fight. Yes, we are. <laughs> I loved that moment. And now it's coming back to bite Alex in the ass. Yeah. But, significant moment... Alex sees the Polaroid camera that George was using in the beginning of the episode. <laughs> oh, just runs off. Just he grabs and runs completely off. ignoring her. Amazing, which makes sense. So let's cut back to Izzy and her motorcycle gang, and she uses one of their 2007 flip phones to call the chief. How she knows his personal cell phone number by heart is never explained, and I guess is not the point. Although counterpoint, I feel like Izzy would be that person to know everyone's phone number the chief how did she even get it it's izzy she probably calls him on the weekends hey chief what's up i don't think so i don't know but i also i have wonder if this is some sort of like if they have an on-call phone or something and when she called she just was like get the chief but i thought it rang like there was a scene in the episode where it rang and he picked it up oh i missed that so weird. Anyway. I don't know. Or maybe he just, like, advertises his number a lot. I have That is a very good question. See, I think it's more in character for the chief to be giving out his number than for Izzy to be... That's true. You know... But, he... uh, okay, I was gonna say, the chief would be giving out his number, but out of all the interns, who would be the one to remember his number by heart? It would either be Izzy or George. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I also love... <laughs> Hold on. Who is this? <laughs> I love what it, she like says something before. I'm sorry. Who is this? It's Izzy Stevens. I'm at the dock. <laughs> and I just love the okay, first you've got to stay calm. I can't stay calm. Calm was over minutes ago. Calm is gone. Calm is an impossibility. I've got his best friends here and I can't let him die. So please just tell me what I need to do. And then the chief says, you need to do some burr holes. And as somebody that has zero medical background, <laughs> When I heard, you need to do some burr holes, I knew it was not going to be good. Oh, no. Um, well, and then you get the moment where the chief goes, all right, I need a m- minute to check out, check something out in the book. You're looking it up and in a book? And then you're just like, what the heck is he about to ask her to do? Mm-hmm. 
besides burr holes but and then mark comes up and you know he starts helping which also begs the question last episode the chief and everyone in the hospital were freaking out because they're about to get swamped with patients (laughs) and yet the chief and mark the head of plastics (laughs) you know which with this thing you'd think there'd be a lot of burn patients and all Mm -hmm. this stuff are just standing around doing nothing I love this show. <laughs> you know, I love this goddamn know, show. The entire last episode. They even had that scene where Addison, Callie, the chief, and Christina were all standing outside waiting for ambulances. Exactly. And then the patients came, the chief took one look at them, and just decided, eh. <laughs> Alex can handle this. Yeah, but I do like this where... Do you know anything about making burr holes done a couple times? And then we there's obviously a time jump. Where Izzy and the chief have been talking for a couple of minutes or something. And Izzy puts down the phone and she says, I'm going to need a drill. And Vince goes, there's one in my truck. What do you need a drill for? I've got to drill holes in your friend's head. And then it just cuts. And it's it's fantastic. I believe that was a commercial break. I watched which on, is perfect. I think it was. Like it was an act out. Yeah. Which is great. As usual, Katherine Heigl does an amazing job. Oh my god, yeah. It goes without saying. Also, her hair is straight fire in this episode. <laughs> For someone who's been working on a man, like, on a dock or something, she looks fantastic. She does. She looks amazing. So now we've come back to George, our little lost boy. Do you remember that terrible song from, like, 2013? The I am the lost boy from Neverland. I hated that song so much. Can you just imagine George looking for Chris? (laughs) I am a lost boy, like, singing that song. He just comes up dressed as Peter Pan. (laughs) And then he has all these, like, children dressed up like an animal, like, right behind. We can cut that out. Off topic. So George is just looking around for Chris. He goes up and is creepishly looking around Christina, which kind of brings me back, brought me back to that scene where he's trying to get Burke's scrub cap (laughs) and like really weirdly getting into Christina's personal space. And she just is calmly sitting there. I'm suturing here. I love the, you weren't out there today, Christina or whatever. And she goes, I know. (laughs) Do you know where Meredith is? I'm leaving. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Okay, this scene, I feel like doesn't get enough credit for how straight up genius this storyline is. Yeah. Alex looks like a genius, but when you peel back another layer, the writers had to write this. Yeah. That makes them genius. Yeah. Because not only did they write themselves into a corner that most of the audience couldn't figure out how to get out of, but then they wrote themselves out of it. Yeah. When he came up with the idea to take pictures of yeah. the patients. Now, is this legal? Who knows? <laughs> and Sid- Sydney does the one useful thing she does all episode and having markers for the I've patients. i got markers. <laughs> Thank you. Orange juice. And this woman seriously thinks she's going to be chief resident. Yeah, seriously. Whatever. So then basically what comes out of this scene is two things. One thing that comes out is a lot of people, you know, are saying, you know, my patient's not up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know. What does that mean? Yeah. And a lot sec- of people died. And the second thing is that a man comes up and says, my wife isn't there either, but she's pregnant. Is it possible that you missed her? So Alex immediately thinks that Jane Doe and this dude are 
together. Together. So we cut back to Lisa and Derek, our favorite duo. Mm-hmm. I do really like this moment with him being very patient with her, but paternal. Also- but also kind of being like, I don't know, he does he does that kind of like, mm-hmm. okay, take your time. Take all the time you need. Like, you're doing great. He does that really well. Although, I mean, we've we've seen multiple times that Derek's really good with children. Aww, but Yeah, like that specific one in season one. Oh, he was so cute. <laughs> the glove that George wore. Yeah, yeah. And then Derek, okay, use your words. Where exactly is Meredith? I love that line. And because... Go ahead. Adults always say that to little kids. Use your words, you know? And that's exactly what he wants to say to Meredith. Mm-hmm. He's basically saying, please communicate with me. Use mm-hmm. your words. Tell me what's wrong. Oh, it's so amazing. And then Lisa just takes a shit all over this idea in points instead of talking. <laughs> <laughs> Can you even get into the mindset of where Derek's head must be when she just points into the bay. The interesting thing is, I think a lot of adults in this situation, when they, you know, are asking a kid, you know, where is this? Where is something? And the kid points into the water. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of adults would be like, oh, honey, like, stop joking. Where is, you know? Mm-hmm. And I kind of like the fact that Derek never questions it. Like, she points and he immediately just looks terrified. I almost in some way think he had a feeling that something bad happened to Meredith mm-hmm. and her just pointing was just the, you know, the check mark, the last little bit to be like, okay, yes, this is bad. Well, two things. I don't know. One, do you think he would have treated it the same way had Meredith not almost drowned herself in the bathtub this morning? Probably not. Probably, yeah. Because as soon as he sees water, he is... Like, freaked LF. out. Yeah. yeah. Two. I forgot what the second thing was. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yeah. So now we're in Jane Doe's surgery where Alex comes in and just announces, oh, yes, her name is Casey. And Addison just looks at him and is basically just like, no. You're an idiot. <laughs> there were hundreds of people on that ferry, Alex. Hundreds. And chances are that more than one of them were pregnant. So when she says, don't give that man hope unless you are certain. Don't give him hope until you've checked every last body in the morgue. There's nothing deeper there, right? It's just. Yeah, well, I think it's also, I mean, just the thing of. I don't know, just getting your hopes up for something. And Mm -hmm. I almost wonder if it's like some weird thing of like her coming back. And Derek and her kind of trying was, like, her getting her hopes, hopes up, up. Mm-hmm. and have a crush. But I don't, like, I don't, I don't know. Could it be when she kissed Alex that was her getting her hopes up and then he kind of crushed mm. it? Maybe. Maybe. I didn't think about that, yeah. So let's go to the scene where Alex enters the stairwell. Mm-hmm. Where George is looking at a map of the hospital. And I would is about quite to fight him for I it. I would quite literally kill somebody for that map. That's terrifying. I mean, I'm I'm hoping a mass murderer, evil rapist. I would kill a horrible person for that That's map because I was going to say I don't have one, so you don't have to kill me. I would not kill a, a nice person. Thank you. And we see that George's confidence is at a new record low because 
He thinks that Bailey is going to change her son's middle name to Elvis or Tupperware. (laughs) Which, where the hell did he come up with Tupperware? George should not be naming children right now. (laughs) This is my son, Elvis Tupperware. (laughs) Take notes, Callie. Granted, what is her middle name again? Iphigenia. Yeah, so she doesn't have much room to talk. Wasn't it on uh, New Girl, Winston named his son Dan Bill or something like that? His first name was Dan Bill? Probably. They'd be like, oh, Dan William? And he goes, no, Dan Bill. And his middle name is Bill? No, Dan Bill. One of my old neighbors named, their their youngest son was named Justin. Mm -hmm. And then his middle name, they named him Justin Time. I hate that and love it all at once. (laughs) That's my, amazing. My mom, because he was younger than me, and my mom was just like, "You're kidding, right?" <laughs> Anyways, I um, you know I bring it up every time, but my dad knew a squeegee. <laughs> <laughs> First name? Yeah. Oh my god, I forgot that. <laughs> Fun fact. <laughs> Oh my god, I think that's the fav- my favorite thing I've learned today. He also knew a Donald Duck. <laughs> Why in God's name would you name your son Donald Duck? <laughs> Where does your dad go? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyways. Well, I like yeah. how Alex just is, is so positive and so nicely just says to George... I know a place a kid might be. And then takes him to the morgue. (laughs) (laughs) But it's such an Alex thing to do. And then they're opening the bags. And George opens one of the bags and the dude is face down. And he goes, I swear to God. And Alex just dramatic much. This doesn't bother you. Any of this. All this death. It doesn't mean anything to you. Alex goes, I'm working. Why would it? Yeah, but I was working when dot dot dot. And it will never not bother me that... He didn't finish that. Working when what? When his dad died? or Yeah, maybe. <sighs> then he finds the pregnant woman. Seven months pregnant. Alex takes her picture. So now we cut over and Izzy is about to do some burr holes. Um, and or vomit. Yeah. I also love how... I, I, don't, I liked the little moment where Vince kind of starts freaking out and then mm-hmm. she just... Almost turns, like, trailer park on him, and it's just like, okay, that can't happen. She just destroys him. But also, again, great friends. I mean, I think there's definitely people that I would sit there and, like, be there when someone's putting burrows in, some, like, my friend's body, but still. That's intense. You know what I mean? It was intense. Yeah. Mm. Again, great group of guys. And then Izzy does all of this work. And then as soon as she's done, that's when search and rescue comes. Useless. Search and rescue. Anyways, I also really like the moment where after she's done it, they cut and you can kind of almost see Mark and the chief looking really proud of her. Mm-hmm. You that's, know? that's so satisfying. Where And I think they really get this whole thing of they were teaching her this mm-hmm. whole thing and then really are proud of. Because I think, too... The way she stayed really calm and was able to do this is really impressive Mm -hmm. for anyone. But, I mean, for an intern, I feel like it's very impressive. And I do also appreciate the moment when the dude opens his eyes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we get Timeless by Kate 
Havnovic. Havnovic. Yeah, and I I was listening specifically to the lyrics here because I it was a very big moment in this episode. So I wanted to see if there was anything there. Um I don't know. The song the lyrics kind of look and sound almost like poetry. Yeah. Love is a cure, I prom a promise still so pure. Rise like the tide. No need to hide. Fear water. Yeah. Just like before. Love is the cure, you know? Mm-hmm. And the next thing we know, Lisa is standing alone on the dock again, and we're like, where the fuck is Derek? And then <laughs> Lisa just smiles, and we yeah. know she's pushed Derek into <laughs> <Yeah>. the water, too. <laughs> and a Coast Guard comes up and sees this kid, which foils my theory, and this pick, stupid man picks her up and starts carrying her away, but then we hear coughing in the background, and it's Derek carrying up a blue Meredith. Which... Time out. Whoever did, I don't know if this is like CGI, if they actually mm-hmm. put her makeup on, did a fantastic job because Meredith looks dead. Mm-hmm. But not like the dramatically. Like the face and everything, they did a very good job of making it very obvious of she's really on the line there. You know what yeah. I mean? Like on yeah. the edge. So the fir- we have a million things to say here. The first thing I want to say is take all of my money. You were like coming up for fresh air. It was like I was drowning and you saved me. My brain is going to explode with how amazing that moment is. I feel like I need to take a picture of what Emily's face is doing right now. (laughs) And you guys all need to appreciate this. I'm so happy it's come around to anger. Like, I'm so happy and so impressed, and I love this moment so much, I'm almost angry how much I love it. I'm just so goddamn happy right now. I'm so happy! So from Shonda, she says, The most interesting one to watch this episode is Derek. I don't know if you remember that in the first season, 201 to be exact, but it was originally the first season we'll accept it Shonda yeah, but be whatever. better he said to Meredith you were like coming up for fresh air it was like I was drowning and you saved me it was good to be able to call that back everything comes back around eventually on this show I find and to see what happens when Meredith is drowning he's not Mare's knight in shining whatever but isn't he but I feel like that's not true yeah because if Derek hadn't swan dove off of the <laughs> dock and carried her up i mean literally that's what they call like a wedding carry is what he's doing i wonder if he- she's talking because normally like a knight in shining armor is supposed to be this princess who basically can never do anything for her goddamn self mm-hmm. and so it's almost like but him and meredith both saved each other and so they're e- i don't know hmm kind of thing and so it's not it's not he's not her shining whatever like they're both each other's yeah i don't know i don't know it's just that imagery of him walking in slow motion holding her is the epitome of a knight in shining armor yeah it's i mean the definition of a knight in shining armor is an idealized or chivalrous man who comes to the rescue of a woman in a difficult situation all right 
Meredith is drowning. I'd call that a difficult situation. Derek, we'll give him idealized chival- We'll give him those. Mm-hmm. Man who comes to the rescue. He literally pulls her out of... I th- like, this is the definition. Yeah. Of a knight in shining So, Shonda, armor. I have questions. Yeah. But it also makes me wonder if Shonda says Derek isn't her knight in shining armor because she doesn't want to place Meredith in the role of damsel in distress. Because... Shonda is nothing if not feminist, and Meredith needing a man to save her is very anti-Grey's. I almost wonder if, because normally, like, a damsel in distress was usually, like, put there, or there's something else in the situation, and so maybe Meredith isn't a damsel in distress because... She chose? She chose that, and, like, in, in some ways, wasn't asking for help. I don't know. Sorry, I'm just thinking about future dialogue to see if that lines up, and I think it does. I don't know. I don't know. We get that fairy tale imagery of Derek carrying her like a knight in shining armor, but later, it's not Derek that comes to Meredith's side, which I don't want to keep, you know, I don't want to spoil it, but I think that that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That immediate cut from the slow motion of him carrying her up the dock with that, like, really peaceful, timeless by Kate Havnevik, that immediate cut to him in the ambulance performing CPR is visceral. Also, this paramedic, what the hell is he doing? Derek is doing all the work, and then it kind of cuts. You see the paramedic kind of in the scene who's sitting there and doing nothing. Mm -hmm. He looks at Derek like he's crazy. I just, I'm like, could you not think of anything to do to help? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know enough about medicine. I don't. It's just like the. It was really funny to me. Like in the midst of this huge moment, you just get this glimpse of this paramedic, and his facial expression is just like. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> the actor is like, I really nailed my role. <laughs> I could help, but. Eh. And we just get this brief George and Bailey scene where George tells her that he still hasn't been able to find the kid and Bailey just says so when she wakes up I get to inform her that she's not going to die she's just going to want to die also this really weird thing Derek just pulled Meredith out of the water and then this scene was Bailey saying he's in the water the lost boy Mm -hmm. well and and that she's going to want to die like did Meredith want to die Mm -hmm. interesting Interesting. Um, so the next scene we get is Izzy arriving to the hospital with her patient because mm-hmm. Surgeon Rescue finally helped them. <laughs> and she's talking a mile a minute. But something she says is, I ran out of sterile drapes. I had to use some guy's t-shirt. It wasn't sweaty or anything. He was a clean guy. None of Which, those men I would describe with the word clean. I can also like weirdly see her tasking one of them to be like, Vince, Go find a clean guy and take his shirt. <laughs> and then him walking up to this guy and being like, he looks clean. Can I have your shirt, man? He and just, just body like, checks or Derek. like ripping it off of this guy's back. <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> I have this weird vision of this. I love this line too. And I don't know why, but it just is so. The chief is always good at putting things in perspective when mm-hmm. he goes, Stevens, you put a drill through a man's skull and didn't hit his brain. You saved his life. And I, I always liked that mm-hmm. line. Um, but we get the huge thing, Izzy's officially off probation, mm-hmm. which is huge. And she looks so happy and relieved. And <laughs> we, we, the audience, feel that oh, for her. I got so happy. And then they cuts to this 
in Can some ways, this? kind of comedic scene. But yeah. Sure. I love this scene. It's one of my favorite. Oh, Christina. Oh, my God. You're not going to believe what I just did. I'm going to tell you, but you're not going to believe it. You're going to think I made the whole thing up. You're back? Wait, is Meredith back? I drilled a hole into this guy's skull. What? Several holes, actually, with a drill I borrowed from a guy named Vince. <laughs> Packed the holes with freaking tissue, then brought him back here, and now I get to scrub in on his craniotomy. So, you haven't seen Meredith? It was like a ride, this crazy roller coaster ride with, like, adrenaline shooting out of my ears. You'd think my hands would be shaking, but they weren't. There was no shaking. Did I mention the drill? Okay, Izzy, I get it. You're our hero. I am jealous. But I need to know where the hell Meredith is. Okay. I don't know where the hell Meredith is. But she should be back here. I didn't see her at the scene. The scene where I was a rock star, by the way. Did I mention I'm off probation? Rock star. That's my favorite part. Oh. And apparently that rock star was completely Katherine Heigl. Which I liked. Yes. It I was very that that... Izzy of her. Mm-hmm. Shonda just says, she's good, that girl. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. wonder if you'll change your opinion on that in, like, two years. Anyway. So, the order of people returning from the scene. Yeah, Christina, who never left. Mm-hmm. It was Alex, right? Yeah, Alex came back first with Jane Doe, then George, who came back with Bailey, right? I think... Yeah, I think they came back together. Well, I don't know, because Bailey saw Derek and said... I have to go out, or I have to go back with this one. And then I don't know if George was still at this. It might have been Bailey and then George, actually. It, it was the two of them. Mm-hmm. Then Izzy. And in a cu- short little bit, we'll get Derek and Meredith coming mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. Save the finale, right? Um, so then we get The Great Escape by Patrick Watson. Mm-hmm. Um, as Alex starts putting up the pictures of the fatalities just so well done you know another thing about this episode that i forgot to mention up top but it does not feel like a typical middle of a story where you're just wasting time yeah there seems to be a lot of story happening in this episode alex basically finishes his arc in this episode Mm -hmm. a lot of people finish their arc in this Mm -hmm. episode i was gonna say i also really like I like both the use of dialogue and the scenes without dialogue. Because mm-hmm. this scene with Alex, he says one line, you know, like, these are the fatalities, I date them. And I feel like you get a lot more out of this scene than you would think with the dialogue. Mm-hmm. They do, all of the characters do a really great job with facial, facial. expressions. Mm-hmm. Um, but then even to some of the interactions with people without dialogue, they do, do a really great job with that in this episode. Um, and like a scene like this, you don't need dialogue mm. to get that. And I, in fact, I think it's better without more dialogue. I think dialogue would hinder it, actually. Exactly. And I guess in conclusion, what I'm trying to say is this does not feel like a typical filler yeah, episode. exactly. A lot of times when you have a trilogy, the middle one is kind of anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Star Wars. <clears throat> and the beginning and end ones are the action-packed ones, so... Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so then we get a short scene where basically we see that Izzy gets to do more um, burr holes and stuff, but with an actual, you know, medical drill mm-hmm. and not Vince's drill. Yeah, so we close this one Izzy story arc and it feels like it's time. Mm-hmm. It feels 
like a good time. Like it didn't last too long, but it it, it was just long enough. Well, then you really got the sense that she was ready in this episode, you mm-hmm. know, which I I find fascinating. She's ready in this episode is the first episode we see Denny again. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then we have the amazing ending moment, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about next because it's next episode. That broke me. Mm-hmm. So basically, now we get a scene where Alex is approaching the husband of the pregnant woman. Mm-hmm. And we find out that Jane Doe is not Casey, but Casey is the dead woman that George found in mm-hmm. the morgue. Yeah. And it's in this moment that Justin Chambers' face really does God's work because yes. you can see the moment sinking in and you can see him feeling his humanity, which is something I referred to in my opening. Mm-hmm. And here we go. We get an absolutely glorious cut again. From a very calm and sad moment to a high, action-packed, mm-hmm. crazy moment. Oh my gosh! And then I I love this moment where Bailey opens the ambulance doors. You know what do we got? And the paramedic just goes Jane Doe hypothermic, whatever. And then Derek just screams, screams in the background. She's not Jane Doe. It's Meredith Gray. It's Meredith. And the look on Bailey's face was played so well. Ugh. She goes Derek like. Like, she's worried about him. The first thing she thought was, holy crap, that must have been the worst ambulance ride of your life. Yeah. When you think about it. True. Yeah. And then she asks the question that we're all wondering, how long has she been down? Which, honestly, at this point, could be hours. Or it could be minutes. We don't really know. I know. I'm just making a joke because of how damn long Lisa took. Although, but did she? I know. It's probably only been minutes. Here's the thing. If all of the cuts with all of the lisa moments happened back to back yeah could meredith have been in the water for 10 to 20 minutes yes i think realistically yes i don't again i don't think gray's anatomy is doing this weird thing where they're like meredith was down for 10 hours and now we brought her back to life i don't think they're doing that but it's just you know what i mean i feel like in a lot of other shows i feel like they would have rushed to this moment Whereas, you know, we get to this, and you really do, like, because Bailey's like, how long has she been down? And for me, sitting there, it felt like it had been hours, you know? You're like, she's been down so long, when, again, as you said, all these things are probably mm-hmm. happening at the same time. Okay. Drowning happens very quickly, but it does take place in stages. The stages can take between 10 to 12 minutes before death occurs. Okay. 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 So that kind of fits in with what I was saying. Did you literally just Google how long does it take to drown? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the FBI agent that's watching my computer is... Uh, He's about worried. to get very concerned. You might get an email. Mm-hmm. It's okay, Emily. <laughs> I'm here with you. But I just... I don't know. She's alive. She's alive. And then Bailey goes, Derek. And he just goes, she's alive. You um, know? Yeah. And it's so heartbreaking. And I really like the next choice of all of the different scenes of mm-hmm. the interns getting that page. Yes. And we as the audience know exactly what that page is. It's very, very reminiscent of the bomb. Yes. Mm-hmm. Of like everyone figuring it out. <laughs> Christine. Ow. You've, you're numbed. Whatever. It looked harsh. I love that moment. See, this show is so good at having one scene where their main character is literally dying. Literally dead. dead. I don't think her heart is beating at this point. Yeah. And then they cut over and they have a comedic scene that's super light. And it feels fine. It's an amazing 
amazing feat for that to feel Liter- fine. Literally, Ellen Pompeo showed up this day on set, and they're like, all right, Ellen, what you're going to do, you're going to drown for most of the episode, mm-hmm. and then you're just going to lay there lifeless. Although, and she was like, perfect, pay me all the money. Mm, although, Derek, that scene where Patrick gives her CPR, it was hurting her chest so much that they had to get a chest plate to put on top of it. Which her. makes sense. Yeah. Because a lot of times when you do CPR, don't they break ribs? That's the goal is yeah. to break your is to break your uh, sternum. It's like that tells it that you did it good, like correctly. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. And Christina goes, you know, everyone's back. Everyone's back except her. And I listen to her every day about her McLove life and McDreamy and McCrap. And the one day, the one day I have a thing, she disappears. Love <laughs> that line. <laughs> um. I also love how Burke, again, Meredith, this is about Meredith. He's so butthurt. <laughs> yeah. Why isn't this about me? And But Christina goes, she's my person. Which is, I think, the first time this has been referenced since 201. Yeah. Um, And again, Burke being all butthurt. If Meredith doesn't approve, then what? No, no, no. This is not about approval. And what's funny is that I think as an audience, we understand that. Oh, yeah. As an audience, it's not about Meredith's approval. And we get that, but Burke doesn't, which just proves how much we are, like, the sixth intern. Yeah. Um, and then we get this famous line. Yes, here it if is. If I murdered someone, she's the person I'd call to help me drag the corpse across the living room floor. And Burke, what he takes from being this. Burke, does not get it. Now you're liking, likening someone here to a corpse. Many people have said that about my personality. <laughs> She's my person. And then Berg just leaves. <laughs> Typical. As Christina's pager goes off. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was Christina getting it. Mm-hmm. Then we cut to Izzy getting the page. Um, and the nurse says, I think you want to take this page. I want to know what that page said. Me too. Oh, and this moment is so good. This is why I love Alex and Addison. I don't think that this would have worked with Alex and Izzy. No. Not as well. I love Alex and Addison. I know. I am a shipper. And it's one of those things where I feel like when you first met the two of them, you would never think it. But then as soon as that one episode where they were paired together for Mm -hmm. like the first time and we were all just head over heels blown off. We were all dumping ice water on our head. We were all like, yes. Anyway. I'd notice. What? If you went missing, I'd notice. Oh. And that's all he says. And that's so very Alex of him. Mm-hmm. You don't need any more. That's yeah. fine. So, He's like, I'd notice because I would have nothing to scrub in on. <laughs> <laughs> so then we cut. We have a little blip from the um, Grey Matter blog. Um, and Shana goes, I love the moment when he, Alex, tells Addison that he'd notice if she went missing. I don't know that they are in any way right for one another. But it was a kind of thing to say to a woman he has heat with. Because, I don't know if you noticed, but Addison's lonely these days. And a little bit adrift. Adrift. <laughs> Jinx. Yeah. Um. So now we get Alex getting the page. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to George getting the page. And this is a very telling moment for something that we kind of talked about last week. Mm-hmm. Of trying to figure out who Carly represented. Yeah, that was very tough for us. To figure this out. Yeah, but we get this telling moment where... George first enters Callie's OR, and she's, again, taking a line from Burke and being all butthurt about who God knows what. Yeah. 
You got exactly what you wanted. And you're still not happy. Like, she's just, O'Malley, I'm working. What do you want? It's like, okay, well, maybe I'll just go, like, fuck myself then. <laughs> Can I see his face? And she's like, I'm in the middle of a surgery. And you're like, what the hell do you think he wants to see his face, Callie? Yeah. But you know, like, she's, I'm in the middle of a surgery. And you're like, no shit. <laughs> oh, really? Hmm. I thought you were in the middle of a sandwich. <laughs> is that what you're doing? <laughs> and then she, like, is like, oh, yeah, I could fly those goofy ears anywhere. Shut up, Callie. Uh, and then this weird line. I can't get over her name, Callie O'Malley. I know. It's like they w- thought of the joke and then wrote her name. Probably. And then he goes, I can't kiss you right now because you're scrubbed in. But tonight, when you get home, I'm going to. And Callie thankfully stops him before he yes. keeps going. But here, here's the moment. And I think you are right. Because you were the one that said that Carly is supposed to be Callie. And I think it's kind of this thing where the show or the writers in this episode or these episodes, because counting 17 as well, mm-hmm. I think the writers are pushing us, the audience, in the direction of that Callie is the answer for mm-hmm. George or, right now. Or George thinks Callie's the answer. Exactly. It's kind of like in this moment, at this current time, Mm -hmm. this is what to do george thinks that callie is yeah yeah because we'll notice later on in season three that changes um, Mm -hmm. and it changed uh, on and on whatever and there was something else that i kind of thought of too that the show and the writers are almost showing us i feel like that callie is the obvious choice Mm -hmm. for george because like the boy was in her or and it's this obvious choice but sometimes in life you know you think deeper it's not always necessarily the obvious choices that's the right choice. Or the easy choice. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the choice that's right in front of your face that's like, oh, I could... It's, you know, like, the easy path versus the hard path. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the hard path is the right path, but it's what you have to do. I don't know. It's interesting. But I definitely think that the writers... I don't think it's a mistake that the boy was... Chris was in Callie. Callie's OR. I do not think that was a mistake on the writers. And I definitely think that... In this moment, in this episode, that's what they're telling us, the audience. Mm-hmm. And then, this is a scene that could have easily been cut from for time, but they didn't. And it's because it's important. Mm-hmm. It's Lisa standing in the clinic alone again. And Which this how, begs the question, how did she get there? I think she rode in the ambulance <laughs> with Derek. Okay, time out. The best cut of this whole episode would have been, well, Derek's giving CPR to Meredith if they just cut over and Lisa's just standing in the corner of this ambulance, completely blank-faced, like mm-hmm. usual, As and usual. just standing there, staring. Actually, it would have been really interesting if, like, Derek was doing that, and then he did the same thing Meredith did with, like, turn around, don't look, or something. Yeah, that would have been... Interesting. You would need more time. And would it mess up the flow of the episode? Probably. And the intensity of that moment? Probably. But I would have liked it, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this lady runs up and she goes, oh my God, oh my God, you're safe, you're safe. Mommy's here. So sorry she got lost. So Lisa reunites with her mother and her mother gives her a hug. Remember this. And Lisa represents Meredith. That's all I'm saying. Just keep that in the back of your head. So the chief enters Meredith's ER room and the first thing he says is, Shepard, get out. Also, can we just appreciate something for a second? Derek also went in that water and is still standing there completely soaking wet. Mm-hmm. 
And no question. It takes him so long <laughs> to get out of these wet clothes. And like I get, but, but like does it? Because how long? Okay. You know what's that's, the timeline here? But he still like and and no one offers it. Like that water has to be freezing because Meredith is hypothermic, and so he has to be cold. And no one is like, Derek, get out of here, grab a blanket. Like no one. They're just like nobody. Gets F you, shit. Derek, get out. Yes. <laughs> anyway, Bert comes around and. He looks into Meredith's room. So I guess at this point, it's gotten out to everyone that Meredith is down. Oh, yeah. Because Burke doesn't look surprised. Well, well, Meredith owns the entire hospital, basically. Pretty much, so, yeah. And I hope you'll all notice this, because this was something I noticed. How we had all of these intense patient storylines, and a lot of them from this point, when Meredith comes to the hospital is down, just completely go out the window. Mm-hmm. Every single person in this hospital is working on Meredith. Mm-hmm. I, f- in fact, probably believe that the chief called, like, the EMS people and were like... We're closed. We're overwhelmed. <laughs> Send them somewhere else. <laughs> and, like, Seattle Presbyterian, whatever other hospitals, were just getting, like, massacred with all of these. <laughs> and they're like, where's... We're closed. <laughs> where's the other hospital? Seattle Grace. And Richard's just like... We don't have room. They have, like, the entire ER open, and everyone is just working on Meredith. But I like that, because Meredith is the fucking main character of I this know. show. It was just funny to me, because, again, all last episode, they're talking about how many casualties they're going <laughs> to get, how many patients they're going to get. Literally, the chief does nothing all episode until Meredith comes in. Mark does nothing ever, except <laughs> Coach Izzy through- well, he was in that surgery. And then he sits with Derek. Yeah, like, half of their- more than half of their attendings just work on Meredith, and you're like, and you were concerned, why? <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, it's just, it's just funny. I like to laugh. That sounds like a profile or something, like a I dating- like, like a dating profile. I like to laugh. <laughs> I'm Only not like Derek. the other girls. You. <laughs> Um, I'm quirky. <laughs> and I like we get this little, uh, I think in a little friendship moment between Derek and Burke, when Burke asks, you know, what do you need? And Derek just looks at him and goes, I need you to get in there. Go in there. And I like that. So Shonda from the Great Matter <clears throat> blog, Derek gets kicked out of the trauma room where Richard and Bailey are working on her. He's forced to sit out in the hall helpless. He's seeing his worst nightmare come true because he's realizing Meredith has become so important to him that the prospect of losing her is terrifying. Who is he if he isn't the guy who rescues Meredith? Who is he when he can't save a life? And really, I think from here on was when it really hit me of how great of an actor Patrick Mm -hmm. Dempsey is, and especially in this episode. All of his acting through here was just amazing. But I do like this question. Who is he if he isn't the guy who rescues Meredith? I feel like... He doesn't know. No, I feel like half of the reason he's attracted to her, and we talked about this a long time ago, is because he wants to be that rescuer. He wants to save her? Yeah. Be the one who saves her? In a weird, kind of twisted way. That's... He's attracted to her because she's so effing messed up, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah, that's fair. And I don't know. Um... Oh, the moment when Addison walks in to the trauma room is goosebumps. When she walks in and sees her and she just goes, oh my God. And I want us all to take a moment and think back to when we first met Addison. Mm -hmm. And she walked up to Meredith and goes, 
you must be the woman who's screwing my husband. And now we're here. Mm-hmm. And what other show would have that kind of about face? What does that mean? About face? Like, I've, I've never... It's a thing, right? I've never heard of that. About face? It's probably a t- completely different word that I am, like, effing up. Like a full circle? Yeah. Huh. You know what I mean? Like, what other show would not only have the actresses where they could make this believable, mm-hmm. but also, I think, have the guts to do this? Well, just the power that this show holds. Because all they have to do is place Addison in that room. Mm-hmm. And that's it. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. But I also really like how we see kind of all of the other characters being able to overcome their shock and be able to kind of go straight into that doctor mode. Like, you know, she's shocked at first, but then immediately, you know, a couple of lines of dialogue later mm-hmm. is right back into doctor mode. But I feel like it, Addison truly respects Meredith. And that's the reason yes. why that's how we have gotten here. Mm-hmm. Because if she didn't, I don't think she would have cared. Or at least she respects how much Derek loves her. I think she respects Meredith because, again, you know, Burke, Bailey have some kind of a reason. Like, Burke has to be there because Meredith needs some kind of cardio thing. Why the hell do they need a neonatal surgeon on Meredith? And yet Addison goes in there and is going to help out. You know she, what I mean? Because the con- the subtext is she got that page and immediately ran down there. Or heard it from some whatever. Yeah, you know. to see w- if there was anything she could do. Mm-hmm. Which is so goddamn satisfying. It feels so earned. And just Addison is being an advocate for Meredith and Derek without any animosity. Which is hu- hugely like um, important for her. Well, and it's such a big thing for her to be able to do Mm -hmm. as a person so they reuse the song bitter song or a bitter song by butterfly butcher here oh that's right yeah i like the fact that they're reusing it it's weird because i didn't actually notice that it was like the same song until you actually pointed it out in Mm -hmm. our document like watching the episode i didn't notice which was interesting to me but Mm -hmm. i kind of like i don't know it doesn't bother me i and some of the lyrics are, it found me to hold me, but I don't like it at all. Won't feed it, won't grow it, it's folded in my stomach. It's not fair, I found love, it made me say that. Hmm. It's creepy. Like, what's it? I don't know. Now, yeah, now, now, I mean, every scene from now until the end is iconic. I was about to say, I think every scene coming up, we're both just going to have some kind of ugh moment. Mm-hmm. Because we get this great moment between Derek and Mark, mm-hmm. which again, no dialogue in this scene whatsoever. But again, I think dialogue would have ruined it. I like how Derek just nods as if to say to Mark, it's okay, you can sit. And then Mark sits. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say, and I like the fact that it's not Burke, who's kind of his current friend right now, but Mark, his mm-hmm. friend that he's had all these issues with, but is again like a brother to him who is able to come up and sit there and i guess offer some kind of comfort Mm -hmm. to him in this moment he does kind of squeeze his arm Mm -hmm. but this is another example of that human nature or like the human experience what i was talking about in my opening because while derek has been holding a grudge against mark for you know with good reason i think they both realize in this moment that they're 
anger is pretty petty and pales in comparison to the fear and helplessness that Derek is feeling now. Mm -hmm. And I think we get this idea of how deep this moment is Mm -hmm. because the next scene is, you know, a nurse opens the door and Addison looks out and sees Mark and Derek together. And to think of what must happen for the two of them Mm -hmm. to be on the same team again in some Mm -hmm. ways, I think she of all people is really the person that understands the gravity of that moment. Of that moment. Yeah. And then Addison says, come on, Meredith, don't do this. Mm -hmm. I, again, this is like one of those moments that is so satisfying. It angers me. (laughs) I, it's perfect. Like only Emily, literally perfect. How could you rewrite this to make it better? I would be there. You couldn't. No. You couldn't rewrite that to make it better. And now we get the best of the best. The interns. Ugh. Um, I am going to do the hell out of this dialogue. I like how each of them is kind of displaying a different phase of grief. Or kind of, you know, because Christine is questioning... George is the one that seems very depressed and sad. Izzy's very hopeful and looking, like, positive towards the future. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Alex is doing. He doesn't really say much. <laughs> well, what are I- the five? There's, it's, it's anger, bargaining, uh, sorry, it's denial, Which anger, yeah, so denial is Christina. Anger is... I guess Alex? I don't know. Alex. Well, because we have four interns and there's five stages. Because George is definitely, like, the depressed one. And is is he bargaining, then? Yeah, maybe. And is Meredith acceptance? Yeah. <laughs> and I guess Alex, in some way, is angry. I mean, he doesn't really say much. And he doesn't look sad. So I guess, yeah, angry? Interesting. Oh, my God. That just blew my fucking mind. Okay. 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 So, Christina's freaking out. And... The gra- you watch the gravity of the situation kind of hit her, too. And Izzy steps in in a way that only Izzy freaking Stevens could mm-hmm. do. And it's because we've spent three seasons building this character that we that it's so satisfying. Yes. That we know that she is the only one that can deliver this speech. Mm-hmm. And she delivers it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Go ahead. All right. I'll be George. She will come through this. You don't know that. She will come through this. People die. I know people die. People die in front of us every day, but I believe Meredith will survive this. I believe... I I believe in the good. I believe it's been a hell of a year. And I believe that in the face of overwhelming evidence to the contrary, we will all be okay. I believe a lot of things. I believe that... I believe that Denny is always with me. And... I believe that if I eat a tub of butter and no one sees me, the calories don't count. And I believe that surgeons who prefer staples over stitches are just lazy. I believe that you are a man who made a terrible mistake marrying Callie. And I believe that because I am your best friend, I can tell you this and we will be okay. I believe even though you made this mistake, you will be okay. I believe we survived, George. I believe... That believing we survive is what makes us survive. Ugh. Holy shit. And I love how 
literally everything she talks about is either coming up mm-hmm. or have seen. I believe Denny's always with me. We get that later. Mm-hmm. And we see Denny later. I believe that the whole tub of butter thing. Already she happened, said that yeah. to Meredith. Staples over stitches. Christina was literally doing sta- stitches all day. Mm-hmm. And then her whole shit on the marriage. Which we do see. <laughs> Which I love how in this middle of this hugely, like, deep, like, Meredith will survive. Oh, by the way, George, your marriage sucks. <laughs> I know. She finds a way. She finds a way to, to still do it. This, is this better than What About Me? That's the real question here. It's a, it's a hard thing because she's so calm and, like, reassuring in this scene, which is so great. But the way Katherine Heigl played the kind of desperate, almost craziness in the mm-hmm. What About Me speech. <sighs> okay, here's, here's my final thought. I think... What about me? Catherine Heigl had a better performance mm-hmm. that only Catherine Heigl could do. Mm-hmm. But I think that this, the message behind this speech, is more profound. Okay, because the I message agree. behind "What about me?" is what happens to to the family when someone dies. When someone dies, the message behind this is we survive. Human. Yeah. Nature, yeah. Human spirit and just nature and what it means to be a belong to a tribe. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh my god. It's the most profound thing I think anyone has said on this show. Mm-hmm. So we have a little blurb from the Grey Matter blog. <clears throat> and Shonda writes, What I like about Izzy is that right now she's fighting for George. No one else agrees with her. Yeah. <laughs> and she's going to and she's going about it all wrong but still she truly believes her best friend is in trouble and she's fighting to make him see it it may be none of her business but when do we stay out of the business of those we that we love but i gotta admit i adore callie yeah. and in that moment when izzy tells george he made a mistake marrying callie i hate izzy oh, i've never loved her more <laughs> just hate her but she's a good person and she never holds her tongue and for that i respect her But will George? That's the question. That's the thing is I've said this in previous podcasts, but that's the thing that I love the most about Izzy is that she's always her intentions are always good, but she does go about it the wrong way a lot. Yes. But her intention is always good. The intention behind of what she said of speaking her mind is pure. Mm hmm. This is just one of those moments that just transcends television it just rises to another dimension that i i don't even know how to explain it it's just a feeling you know i also really love how christina and alex are kind of behind her for the beginning of the speech and then when izzy just starts demolishing george's (laughs) marriage there's kind of this moment where you where alex and christina are just like uh should we leave like this is awkward (laughs) is this a moment should we go someplace else? The show Grey's Anatomy through the vessel of Izzy Stevens finds a way to take a steaming dump on the Callie and George ship, and I'm here for it. <laughs> we support it. So we go back to Meredith's room, and they are just pumping her throat full of all of the drugs. Mm-hmm. All of the drugs. And then the chief delivers this line. I love this line. We're losing her. Which begs the question... Was she ever there? Has she had a heartbeat throughout any of this? No, it's just the way that they cut it. It might have just been the editing, but you guys should go back and watch it because 
all of them stop working. They look up at the monitor, at the flat line, and then they cut over to James Pickens Jr. And he just says, we're losing her. And you're like, isn't the point of the flat line that she's gone? She's literally flatlining. At Um, what point have you lost her? (laughs) Um, uh, And then we finally get the moment. Last scene of the episode. Which, again, I love how it really leaves her fate ambiguous until this moment. And I love how they do it because she kind of appears to wake up. Mm-hmm. And at first, you're like, "What? where is she? Like, yeah, what? Because it, it's, it's familiar, but there's something off. Well, that's at this moment. Because at first, she's coughing. And you're like, oh, she's awake. And then you get that second wave of, what? Yeah. You know? Well, and that's... uh, We'll talk endlessly next episode, but they do such a good job with this hospital limbo set because everything is familiar, but something is off constantly. Wherever you look, there's something not quite right. It's not the set that you're used to, and it's perfect. Mm -hmm. And she looks over and sees Dylan from Mm -hmm. the bomb episode, which was, like, such a... Deep cut. Yeah. But obviously, like, again, some plan that probably anyone would recognize. And, of mm. course, he's in his bomb squad uniform. Yeah. He's <laughs> just chunks of Dylan. And she goes, hey, am I dead? And then turns over. And no. there's Denny. No, no. Here's the thing, though, is that I think the script is wrong. Because I think he talks first. He says, damn right you are. And, and then she, she whips her head over. And she's like, Denny Duquette is standing there. Which I also really like this weird moment of... Because I think Meredith and Dylan had some moments together Mm -hmm. like when he's like you were stupid for grabbing this bomb and she's like no shit (laughs) but did we ever really get a scene of just meredith and denny we did okay and it was when meredith was warning denny about izzy getting too close to izzy and getting izzy in trouble and then he goes life is too damn short for all these rules okay yes that's right okay and that's when she accepted a date with the vet Dr. Finn Dandruff. Thanks a lot, Denny. <laughs> and then Marriage goes, holy, and then the episode ends. And then title card. And just can you imagine being that person in 2007 of just ending the episode and being like, Gotta what do wait I a do week. now? Like, yeah. I, what? The power that this show holds is incredible. Just, oh my God. To end an episode like that, I'd be really interested to hear, like, almost like from Ellen Pompeo's perspective, when Shonda pitched this idea to her Mm -hmm. of being this limbo and bringing back the characters. I mean, this network television television show is working on another dimension than other shows. They're, They're dealing with themes of heaven, hell, limbo. I mean, what? Faith. What other show is doing this? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. So Shonda Rhimes says, I almost hugged Jeffrey Dean Morgan to death when he arrived on set. He was nice about it, considering the restraining order he should have taken out against me during season two. Which, what does that mean? She was obsessed with him. Oh. Yeah. I was glad to see him. And I was glad to see Kyle Chandler, who was gracious enough to fly out here and film on one of his very few days off from the very well-written Friday Night Lights. Which, thank goodness he did. Well, and I think that that's kind of why they got him, is because he was very... At this point in 2007, Kyle Chandler was a huge star. And so to get him, 
he was very recognizable. And, and I was and, just saying that, like, because he could have very well just been like, oh, I'm on this other show, mm-hmm. I don't have time. But mm-hmm. thank goodness he did come back. I wonder how much he got paid. <laughs> they probably paid the heck out of him. Um, yeah, huge. but that's it. So there's no ending speech. Uh, there was some notes and trivia on the wiki that I wanted to read. This is where I got the... So after one day of filming scenes where Meredith was given CPR, Ellen Pompeo asked the director for a chest plate because it gave her heart palpitations and it hurt her chest. She was given the plastic chest plate that Demi Moore used on the set of Charlie's Angels. Which is hilarious. Interesting. But I also really liked this choice of... It says, Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Kyle Chandler are credited at the end of the episode instead of the beginning to preserve the end of episode surprise. And I love that. They don't do that nowadays. No, they don't. I feel like when they bring characters back, Mm -hmm. for example, the one that they just had with SVU and Elliot came back, everyone knew that was happening, you know? Yeah, that's a little different, though. But even, like, the Grey's Anatomy things, they're bringing back characters now Mm -hmm. in present days. Everyone knows about them before it's going to happen. And so, like, to really just have absolutely no idea, and then that happened, you're like... I think that's kind of a sign of the times. I just like, like Can it. that happen nowadays? I don't know. With, like, social media, you mean, yeah. and stuff? Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, seriously, count is zero. Ugh, Patient rankings are still coming, guys. Make one change, fuck you. <laughs> Do you have a make one change? Yeah, put me in this episode. I'll drown with Meredith. <laughs> I don't have a make one change. No. I honestly don't even feel like we did this episode justice, and we've been talking about it for an hour and a half. Make one change. Can I have a full hour-long episode with, like, Shonda and all these people talking about, like, how they filmed things and mm-hmm. why they wrote things and stuff? That's that was my that's my make one change. There you go. I need more information. Mm-hmm. Well, let me think. Is there anything that needed more room to breathe in this episode? I don't think so. Because part of I mean, there were some, like, ambiguous kind of things of purposefully ambiguous but that's i was gonna say i think it was done to be that way like i don't think they just were like "Eh, we're just gonna have this disappear it felt like meredith was in the water for hours years you know when i was watching this episode it felt like they were never gonna find her but it was only like a couple scenes yeah yeah i don't have a make one change i just no maybe next week anyway yeah yeah right okay the only sh- the only episode that's better than this one is next week. <laughs> so next week we're talking about three seventeen, some kind of miracle, written by Shonda Rhimes and Marty Noxon, which is interesting that she co-wrote the, the finale. Brought in someone else. Yeah, directed by Adam Arkin. What happened to Rob? Yeah, where's Rob Corn? So if you want to get in touch with us, you can on Twitter. The account for the podcast is at Gray's Uncut. My account is at Hazard underscore Emily, and Becca's is at Anderson underscore Becca. If you have a longer question or comment, go ahead and send it to our email, which is Uncut at gmail.com. We also have a website if you want to leave a comment there. It's blog. And if you would, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. We love them, and we read them out loud during the show so at least we did last year it's been a while yeah if you want a shout out on the show Grey's Anatomy Uncut leave a review baby do it all right all we'll see you next week all right signing off bye